Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to the Network Show. We covered the women's game. Now it's time to talk about some men's tennis. Joining me as always, looking ready to go out there and play, I guess, first base spread. You probably can't really play the field anymore. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, we got Little League uh, after after the show today, so I'll be heading up there straight after this. But I'm excited to talk some uh, ATP tennis. And you know me, I'm a, a WTA fan first and foremost, so I'm looking forward to leaning on some of the knowledge that you guys have acquired handicapping the ATP on a daily basis and doing a damn good job, if I do say so myself. Joining me from north of the border, trying to get ready. He's not totally distracted with the Maple Leafs game tonight. We're going to try to get him <laughs> focused here for some tennis. How are you feeling, John? I feel great, man. No one likes hearing themselves speak more than I. So I've had like a podcast, a video for picks already done today. Now we're doing this. And it keeps my mind off the Leafs and makes time pass quicker. So I'm having a blast today. Let's get right to it then. We've got the first quarter of the men's draw and really the way that a lot of these discussions are going to go. There's one name and a whole bunch of other people. We've got Novak Djokovic in here. Yes, Roger Federer is down at the bottom, but it will be his second clay match of the year, I believe. He still has not won. Um, he lost in three sets in his first endeavor. I, just you look through here, it looks like maybe Berrettini is probably the choice to face Djokovic in the quarterfinals. Maybe Uncle Tony gets FAA going, but... Even then, uh, what do you think, John? Can anybody stop Novak here? I just don't see how there's not value on a dollar fifty-three. I think that's minus one ninety-five. Look at um, minus one eighty-eight. Yeah. Okay, even better. I, I don't. I, I don't think I, I'm ever someone who bets juice in general, let alone on the outright markets. But I don't see how. And we actually did the calculations for um, the the rollover here, and it can, I, I thought she should be about minus three hundred dollar thirty-three area dollar 33 to dollar 35 and then we did the we did the rollovers and we're like even you know being fairly conservative with how we price these and give the other guys more credit than they probably will get uh, on the on the head-to-head -head price and we came out to that exact number i don't know how you don't bet a dollar 53 here um two units to win what 1.06 yeah it seems like a pretty safe kind of play novak is in pretty good shape i know he's, he came off a long week this week but you know three of five i'm a little more concerned than i was with the women um, when we did the last episode and I said it wasn't a huge deal, I think three or five might be a bigger deal, but it's not like Novak is in terrible shape and he would have tanked out if he didn't think he could still go far. Only Berrettini is even a remote worry in this quarter. Uh, and I don't even think, and I, I think that is the, it'll be super hedgeable, especially if you go large on the out right here. Uh, I, I don't think I would though. I think this is a fairly standard play for me. I think you're getting 20 cents of value and the implied probability difference is is uh, astounding on on this outright. So I'm going to go ahead and take Djokovic here um, on the outright market to win the first quarter. How about you, Spread? Does any anybody stick out to you again? Can you see anybody challenging Novak? And if not, you know, is there any names in here you're watching? You may be interested to see kind of match to match over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, Jorge said it's Uncle Tony and FAA, right? Let's let's see how this partnership works, right? And if you want to go ahead, I mean. He got it right. This is Novak. The value is there. That's the bet, right? So this is fairly easy. But I'd love to see how FAA develops. You know, he's one of our favorite young players, and this could be the little bit of boost that he needs um, to really break through and be a consistent uh, performer in these slams. So I'm definitely looking uh, forward to see how he performs under Uncle Tony. So FAA is my guy to watch. But Jorge put it right. I mean, just bet Djokovic and just sit back and hope that he doesn't hit a lines person. There's value <laughs> in juice sometimes, folks. This yeah. time, I, I agree. I think minus 200 or better. Like John said, we went through and did the math. We came up with right around minus 300 to minus 325, you know, right around 1.33 to 1.31. So, you know, 
parlay it with something if you want. You're, you're worried about that. There There's go. still going to be value that way. It might not, books might not let you do that, but find a way to attack that because it's definitely more value as, as you go through here. We jump into the second quarter, very similar situation. Mr. Rafael Nadal here. He's the third seed, so that means we'll get a Djokovic-Nadal semifinal. And I say that, with as I go through the list, a little more competitive, I think, than the first quarter. You know, Rublev, you've got Karatsev in here, um, a couple other guys that are interesting. But overall spread, I mean, is anybody knocking Rafa off? Should we be attacking this, you know, minus 20, minus 120, minus 125? I'm seeing a few places here on, on Mr. Nadal. Hey, if you like if you like betting favorites, men's tennis is the place to be. Um, so I agree, Rafa's the value. We hit it again, right? Let's hit these two. Um, I really like this. Is a really top heavy draw. Um, so we'll go straight to the guy that I'm going to watch, and that's Carlos Alcaraz. I want to see how well he does. He's definitely poised for a breakout. Will it happen here? I'm not sure. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. Will it be this tournament? That's what I'm looking to see. So definitely want to know what your guys' thoughts are here. Obviously. To win the quarter is pretty tough, but I definitely like to see a good showing out of him. I mean, do you think that that he makes it here and, and makes some noise? I, I I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot I wanted to talk about him because not from an outright perspective, but just I do really want to see how he goes. One in best three of five. That's a big mm-hmm. thing for me. I want to see how he holds up and how how many matches he can play. My biggest concern is that I I think he can get through his first match. Um, with relative ease against uh, Bernabe, I think the next round could be really fun, regardless of who he plays, whether it's Basilashvili or Lajevic. My issue is if he does get through both of those, if the second one goes four sets and, and the first one is three sets, he's got seven sets on him, and then he plays Rublev, I don't think we're going to see the best of Alcaraz against Rublev, which would be a great barometer match. But again, because he hasn't played um, a lot of three of five, I'm kind of concerned that, you know... If he does get to that point, he might be out of gas and Rublev might just roll roll him over, right? So I am excited, but I'm also kind of hesitant if he were to get to the third round about getting my hopes up about, you know, seeing a really great or entertaining match. Yeah, it'll be another theme we talk about. Remember, we're playing best of five here on the men's side, and that is a huge, huge difference, especially for some of these younger guys, not only mentally having the experience of understanding how to navigate a five-set match, but understanding what it's like to play in a five-set match with some of these guys. I mean, this is where you get those three, four, sometimes five-hour-long matches. Mm-hmm. It, it is just exhausting to do that. So as fun as it is to think about Alcaraz, I do wonder if even in that second round against kind of a veteran like Bazersvili and Leovich, who may be more comfortable in that situation, he kind of gets tripped up. But it is a really fun bottom section. Hopefully Schwartzman can find himself here. Best of five might actually be good for him. You'll have yeah. him. I'm curious to see what Karatsev can do here. So interesting section. But at the end of the day, it's Nadal. And again, we talked before the show. It looks like Nadal to win his quarter. Um, I think minus 400 is what I saw. Yep, minus 400 or minus 125. I don't think there's much value in that, John. But when I look again at that outright price, I'm seeing minus 120. I mean, it, it floated out to minus 150, minus 160, you know, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, really. But you like that 120 number you're jumping on? I do. I, I bet it every year because it's every. Remember, they said this about him last year when he was, I think, even money or, or minus one ten dollar ninety. They said last year, oh, he doesn't look like the same Rafa, and he just blitzed Roland Garros. I mean, even the final against Novak, I think it was what was he even money or like minus one. I can't remember what it was. I had a max bet on him. I had minus one and a half sets, minus two and a half sets. Uh, I had the outright. I think I had ten units exposed on that match because I'm like, I don't think people understand. You could beat Rafa in best two out of three. You can keep it close and best two out of three. I'm sorry. We still haven't seen anyone 
prove that they can take it to him on a slow surface. You do it in Madrid. Well, there's a reason he's only won Madrid five times compared to Rome. Roland only five Garros, times. Barcelona. That's what I mean. For him, <laughs> that's less than half of his Rome and Roland Garros titles. Why? Because it's at altitude. You can beat him in those conditions. When you get him onto slower conditions, where like he's and, and you extend the match where the cream rises to the top because you have less, you know, the less chance variance uh, uh, trips you up. He is unbeatable, and minus 120 is just wrong. What's the implied probability on 1.83? It's like it's under 60%, I think, or, or sorry, it's just over 60%. There's no 55. way he only has a, yeah 55. There's no way he only has a 55% chance to win Roland Garros. There's no way, no chance. I, this he's he's at least 70% every year that he plays. No matter how hot Stefano Tsitsipas is, no matter how well Novak Djokovic is playing, until someone dethrones him, don't tell me he's only got a 55% shot to win this tournament. Especially with so, Tsitsipas in the other half, he's got a cakewalk to the final, even with Djokovic in his half. So I think the only concern that that might be justifiable in a way this year is that he has to play Novak in the semifinals and then recover Man. from that to play in the right. final. That could be pretty dicey. I am positive that he is going to get the extra day off for the semifinal or whatever advantage he could possibly <laughs> get there. So I don't know if that matters as much, but you know, spread, does that bother you at all that he has to play Novak before the final? And then he might get somebody say like Sitsapa who might be able to take advantage of him, maybe being tired, almost overlooking and thinking back on that last Novak match. Again, I'm stretching here, but what do you think of that? No, I, I don't think so. I think it actually is better for him, right? Because here's the, I, my idea here, right? Novak, Nadal, they're used to the situation, right? They're, that, that match is going to look the same whether or not it's the semifinal or the final. The pressure of being in the final for Sitsipas, if I was him, I would have rather faced him in the semifinal with less attention on Like me. Australia? Yeah. I mean, so I, I think it works out better for him personally. It, it worked okay. out for him in Australia. Didn't he come back from two sets down in Australia? Mm-hmm. Uh, on the on the, the one of the quickest surfaces you'll find for a Grand Slam outside of Wimbledon, right? Like, yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the final might be uh, a spec. You know, you slow it down, and and I think it's going to be a lot tougher for Sitsipas. Before we move on, though, I wanted to say I looked. I did do the dollar fifty three times dollar twenty five, um, and it's it's minus one ten. If your book lets you parlay outrights, Nadal to win his quarter, Djokovic to win his quarter is minus one ten. And I I look at their quarters, and I'm not sure that I could get away from. Like, I, I don't know if I can get away from passing on that. I've, I'm going to have to look at my books to see if I can parlay outrights. I don't think I can. But if I could. Uh, Remember five I, dime I, juice to let you. No, five. Yeah, somebody I think some of the Americans offshores. Team. Yeah, some of the yeah. offshores might. Quarter three. Again, now this one's a little more open, a little more interesting. We don't have a big name that sticks out. Zverev's at the top. Team's at the bottom. We know team isn't 100%. We know Zverev is mentally incompetent when it comes to five-set tennis. <laughs> Some names in the middle. You've got Nishikori in here. He's always interesting. Again, when you get to that five-set five mentality, um, the person who I think has taken the most interest here, the Norwegian, Mr. Kasper Rood. He is the 15 seed, and he's somebody, you know, John, for me, what do you think? How do you think he's going to do here, again, in best of five? We've seen him succeed in best of three. Do you think he has what it takes to translate and take on that next challenge? I do. He's won matches here before. And, I mean, in within the same week, not like one a year. Um, so I, I, that kind of alleviated some of the concerns I had. I did have that same concern uh, or fear. But I do believe uh, he he's won several matches here before. And I mean, Benoit Pair is a nice little opener for him. I mean, even even at home with a few fans, if he's trying, I still don't think Benoit Pair in those forehand to forehand rallies, you might have the best clay uh, forehand outside of you know Rafael Nadal on tour uh, against the worst. So you know, I, I don't think Benoit Pair stands much of a chance. Uh, then he gets Camille Myshak or an eighteen year old local wild card. 
um, who I think are going to play a really long match. And both those guys have shown, or at least my check, they, they, they've shown propensities to struggle in three of five tennis to close to, to play the longer matches. If that goes four sets or more, as I believe it will, um, he, he should roll through that. He should really be able to conserve a lot of energy until at least the third round. Uh, and then who's in that third round? You know, uh, I'm not exactly certain who's going to come out of there. It's probably what team. Um, but I, uh, Dominic team has not looked that great this year. And I'd love to see that match. That would be one heck of a match in terms of ball striking. But yeah, I, I liked his number. I think when it opened or there were some eight to ones out there at first for the quarter, just for the quarter. I think those were pretty intriguing considering the struggles of some of the top players in this quarter, but it's already down to plus five fifty at bet three, six, five. Like the market is pretty much, um, you know, shaped up properly in that sense. So I think I'd be, I wouldn't be passing. I wouldn't be playing anything. Sorry. I would be passing. And I think that uh, I'm going to leave this quarter alone, but I, I agree. I'm, I'm going to be watching most of his matches. I'm really anxious to see how he runs. What do you think here, Spread? I mean, are we overlooking Zverev and, and maybe the fact that he has failed and it's, you know, maybe you're overlooking him. Are we overlooking team and his injury? The fact that he has every other day off, if he has been holding something back to try to stay healthy, do we see maybe a slightly higher level from him knowing that he's got, you know, a longer time to recover? How do you see this third quarter playing out? Yeah, I think the value ends up falling on Desverev here. Um, we traditionally overlook him for good reason. But, um, you know, what a great run he had in Madrid. And if that didn't open your eyes, and Jorge talks about how it's not the same surface. And, of course, his serve plays uh, bigger there. But still some fantastic wins. Nadal team and then Barantini. Um, you can't discount that for the going up into it. The loss in Rome to Nadal, okay. Like, who gets downgraded for a loss to Nadal on clay, right? So you got to think Zverev's got the form going in and hey, we're not betting him to win the whole thing. It's only it's only to win the, the quarter. Uh, I kind of like that here and, and the idea that that's really before the pressure hits him. I like the way that he's been playing um, and, you know, I really enjoyed the final against Berrettini in Rome. Uh, it was fantastic, quite impressive. If we can see that Alexander Zverev, I wouldn't mind a little punt on him here to win the quarter. Yeah. What do you think? Anything to add to that, John, before we jump into yeah, the point? What I like about uh, the Zverev look is his draw. Uh, I really don't see much that scares me in in the way of um, – like even in two or three tennis, Ota and then Safulin or Taberner, Mute or Jade. Like I'm just seeing a lot of guys who aren't really going to be, you know, returning anything with a ton of pace. He's going to be he's going to be dictating most of the way through, um, right to the right to the quarterfinal. I mean, even who's after that? Vesli, Hashinov, uh, Kikmanovic, Evans, Nishikori, Giannessi. I mean, I'm not seeing any names that really bother me until Bautista Agut. And even then, on 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 a slower clay surface. Sasha Zverev should not have trouble with RBA. He would really have to um, lose the lose the plot mentally within the match, uh, and then RBA's solidity and consistency kind of would take over, and, and that would be the recipe for an upset there. But it's not likely to happen. I think Sasha would be a, a, a fairly uh, sizable favorite there. So I think that if I were to bet, if if he's the favorite here though, and I'm not huge on betting him at plus 160, but his draw certainly is very favorable until that quarterfinal match with whether it is team or someone else that, that comes out of there if team is is still struggling. So yeah, I, I see I see the reason for it. Yeah. Let's jump into the fourth and final quarter. And again, we're kind of back to one man and everybody else sits, <laughs> apart, sits here at the top. We do have Medvedev at the bottom and he's a wonderful tennis player. But if you're looking for a good laugh, just Google Daniel Medvedev clay comments. It is a litany and list of different funny things he said about not liking clay, not thinking it's a big deal that someone beat him on clay, all sorts of fun <laughs> stuff. And here we are. And if you didn't know already, 
French Open's played on clay, folks. There are some <laughs> fun young names in here. I'm curious to see how Christian Guerin can do this week. Um, I wonder how a guy like even Jaron will do, Gerasimov. Um, Tiafo is always interesting to me on clay just because he's kind of a mess. Um, Pedro Martinez and Corda, I think that'll be a fun first-round match. But since a power pass for me, Spread, what say you? I mean, what a difference a day makes, right? Yesterday, looking at these WTA draws, I'm like, this draws wide open. It could be one of these women that come out of this quarter. It just seems so obvious in every quarter, right? I mean, and this is another one, and you guys brought it up before before we hit play and went live, uh, but the, it still stands. This is just a litany of players that are very good tennis players that aren't good on clay. Do I want to play John Isner on clay? Nope. Rayonich on clay? Nope. Any American on clay. So let's just throw, I'm not even going to mention any of it. PCB, let me get him on hard courts. Dimitrov, hey, he should have the game to do it. Uh, we haven't really seen it, though. Uh, I mean, just a bunch of players on here. Riley Opelka. I mean, if this was, you know, when the Americans swing, that's going to be a tough matchup. Not so much right now. And then, of course, you know, the big seed in the draw, the big name, Medvedev. Um, and you had mentioned it. You know, he, he doesn't like getting dirty. He does not like this at all. So um, I think he'll be quick. Uh, he's not going to be too discouraged if he's on the French Riviera or wherever they like to vacation when they're done with this match. So it seems easy. It seems boring. But how do you not like the chalk here? Yeah. Continuing with our theme of drinking the juice here, do you have another cooler winner for us, John? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm with I'm with I'm with Cheers. again. I, two in one Grand Slam, paying minus money for a player to win a quarter. This is again, this should be at least minus two. I, I would say at least minus two fifty. Like what's one point four zero? That's I think minus two fifty, yeah, right? Yeah, this is a minus two fifty proposition. Who who's beating him? Like Sebi Corda is coming off a long week in in a three of five format. And, you know, he's got his title and he looked exceptional, but he's not taking three sets of five off since he passed. It's just not going to happen. Steph is in, I, I, we don't need to talk about his form. Anyone who's been watching tennis, even those who don't watch tennis have probably heard something about, you know, winning some of the bigger tournaments he has. Um, you know, Raonic is someone who I, I disagree that he's, you know, in the same category as the Isners and Opelkas. Okay, yeah, he, that, that was a little but fair, but. But he hasn't played here since, 28 I 2018 I went over this on another pod and I I was it, it's been years since he played a best of five uh set clay court tennis match uh he hasn't played on clay at all this year either he hasn't played since hardcourt season so like how can we expect him to to win five matches um to or, or at least to get to Sitsi pass and then beat him in best of five I just don't see it uh, I, yeah. I you know he talked about PCB and Dimitrov. I'm gonna uh, we're gonna talk about them in the individual match section. I completely agree that you know we're not looking at them either. Uh, I mean, Gar maybe Christian Garin like is, is is that the only hope to stop him here? This is just this is something where right. If we're doing the WTA and we're looking for the breakout name because it always seems to be some sort of breakout name, Garin would probably be the one we'd circle, right? But this is the ATP, and those breakout names don't happen nearly as often. Well, yeah, and in three of five, it's, it's again, it's going to be tough. I don't think he's he's played his nearly as well as he did in I think twenty nineteen when he had that huge clay season. I don't think he's at that level right now. So I, I do think that yeah, dollar seventy two or minus one thirty eight in Yankee odds is a pretty damn decent price uh, to take Sitsi Pass. And you know, a uh, friend of the show uh, and a co-host on another a pod is Snies, and he was mentioning that. On the men's side at Roland Garros in previous years, like underdogs only win about 20 to 22% of the time. Because, like if there's a time to play chalk, it's at Roland Garros. And I think we're, we're presented with two incredible opportunities to do so in the outright market for their quarters with Djokovic and Sitsipas. 
And it's just like you mentioned, the best of five, that larger sample size really just magnifies the advantage some of these guys have. All right, guys, I think that wraps up just about everything we have for the draw. Just to recap, Joker to win his quarter minus 200 or better. Sitsipa to win his quarter minus 140 or better. Nadal to win the tournament minus 120 or better. That's 1.83 for Nadal. Um, Djokovic right around 1.5. And Sitsipa, I think that's like 1.7 something, 1.77, 1.78, something right around there. Um, but let's jump into some and give individual me a matches. give at plus 160. Sorry, it's Zverev at plus 160 yes. for spread. Let's jump into some individual matches. Again, they're not as many as we had in the women's drive, though we have them all here. There's just so many big favorites. First one, John, you touched on uh, Gombos here, plus 478 against PCB, minus 667. You know, 578, almost $6 on Gombos there. Um, what did you want to point out? Uh, usually I like to take um, – if I take plus games or plus sets, I also like to – like. It usually links up that there's value on the money line. I'm not going to go that far this time. I am going to take uh, plus seven games, though. I do think that plus seven is a lot. Uh, PCB is a guy who likes quicker services. He likes hard. Yes, he had a good start to the clay season. Trust me. I watched him squeak, <laughs> squeak out victories against players that I bet on in the ugliest fashion as a massively overpriced favorite. Okay? It happened for weeks. He is overvalued on slow play. Period. End of story. Don't give me Budgie wins matches. I don't care. Okay? I don't care. He's overvalued. Just watch the tape, and he's squeaking out victories where he's like a minus 400 favorite. No. I'm taking the plus seven games. Um, could he Could he very well cover? Of course. Gombos is very erratic, but he's got the power to hit through the clay. Uh, he, he does play well on it. He's had a decent clay season. I know I've backed him a few times as an underdog uh, where he's come through for me. One of the only players who was reliable as an underdog for me this season that didn't just collapse all the time. So thank you for that, Norbert. But plus 101 at plus seven games, I'm going to take that. Like I said, it could be 3-3-3 three, three, and three to, to cut in your boost the fine. But he hasn't shown me anything to indicate that he can, that he will do that. And I think Gombos takes a set here. I really wanted plus two and a half sets, but it's it's a worse price. And I think if you like plus two and a half sets, you're assume, like that means you're getting your plus seven becomes at least plus eight or plus nine even. Um, and in that case, it becomes really tough for Carreño Busta without a breadstick or bagel to cover um, the plus seven if he drops a set of any at any point. So I'm, I'm I like Gombos here plus seven at uh, and it's a nice plus one hundred one price. Yeah, and I'll like join you. Because yeah. I was gonna say, I like these erratic players because it, you lose a bet if it's by eight games or thirteen games, right? right? So give me the erratic player where I've got the chance to roll the dice and maybe mm -hmm. get that red line, you know. Um, so, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be with you on this one. I'll take the plus games. I, I think you're right though. I'm, I might not even, I might not even sprinkle here. Yeah, I don't, I don't the hate the money. It's, that's it. it's uh, six dollars or plus five hundred at bet three six five. I mean, it's it, yeah. it's there's value in that number. For I mean, me. maybe I'm twenty sure value, bucks, but, but not like a normal unit size. Right, but like a uh, for for um this particular match, I'm trying to to use the context and logic to get away from stuff that might show value but may not be a bet. Uh, that's gotten me uh, that's hurt me this year. So I'm I'm trying to kind of reevaluate, but I do show value on that number. Uh, but I but over the three sets, I don't know if Gobbles can stay. You know, redlining or solid enough for three to win three sets. Yeah. Well, I do like the plus games. I do think he can take one, maybe two sets. I don't have confidence he takes three, uh, and I'm showing far more value on on the spread than I am to the money line. Man, I like the derivatives breakdown. That's going to be important over the fortnight here, especially in the five set. Next match, I have this one. Mark Dan Evans is um, a solid favorite, minus one ninety, probably one point five two against Kekmanovic. Kekmanovic plus one fifty five or two fifty five. 
these aren't great conditions for Kekmanovic. I keep staring at Evans trying to figure out why he isn't almost a bigger favorite. I mean, does this line st stick out to either you guys either way? Is it great for Evans either? And that's where I wanted to defer to Jorge. But is this great conditions for Evans either? It seems like two players no. that are going to be fish out of waters. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I took Kechmanovich. I'm on the other side. I actually got a, I got a <laughs> not terrible, but I got a pretty bad number. I got plus 153, and I like that. I think he's got a well, uh, a, a, si a sizably better chance than 40% uh, to win this match. Dan Evans is someone who's never liked the clay, not fond of slow surfaces. And I think we're all like just everyone's clinging to him winning, you know, multiple matches, including against Novak Djokovic at Monte Carlo. Like, after that, what has Dan Evans done on clay this season other than that Monte Carlo run? I just, I'm not sold. I think, you know, he found he found form for a week. And congrats. Like, we all love Evo, that, you know, hard grinding player out there. Uh, the Musetti loss was one that stood out too because he was way up in that third set. That would have been a signature win. But since then, he's lost to Mute in three. He needed three sets to beat Shardy, who has gone back to being the the kind of old player that he is. He beat John Millman, who like John Millman on clay. That took three sets as well. Kept it rather close against Verev in quicker conditions. And then he got smacked by Taylor Fritz in Rome. I don't see anything that's inspiring there other than that that isolated Monte Carlo outlier for me. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Kitschmanovic. Uh, he grew up on clay, but he does do better on faster surfaces. But I have two guys that are uncomfortable. One who, or two guys who aren't great on slower conditions, but one who kind of has grew up on the surface and he's now plus 168. I'm going to go ahead and take Kitschmanovic here. Yeah, I guess the only thing I was thinking, I was disappointed that Massetti lost. I really would have preferred, obviously, he win that match. This was another player where I think I wonder if Evans, again, is better suited for the best of five format. But um makes sense. I, it's, I'm probably going to end up passing on this. The next match we had checked off, Hatchinoff, minus 370 against Vesley, plus 280 or $3.80. What was your angle here, John? Well, I just don't buy... Haran Hachinov on on clay um, yet. Uh, I know he's there. There have been a, he's strung a couple matches together this season so far, not against the best competition. Vesley's a guy who hasn't been playing well, but he's not exactly a form player. He's not someone that needs rhythm. He is a day to day kind of you know in the mold of Martin Klijan, Fabio Fanini, uh, you know Benoit Paire. These kinds of guys that are absolute basket cases. But when they're on, man, they are on. He's got supreme talent. He's got a huge serve. He can really strike the ball. His backhand, when he's not trying to overhit it, can actually be uh, rather reliable uh, at times. I think this price is huge considering Vesley uh, does enjoy the clay. He enjoys all the surfaces, really. He, he's he's yeah. an all-court player. Even though he doesn't win much on any of them, he has the game for them. He just doesn't have the <laughs> mental side of things. I'm not going to take the outright money line because, again, like Gombosh, I don't trust it. Uh, but I do think this is an overmatch. I think he takes a set, and I think these guys will see a lot of tight sets, uh, whether it be 12 or 13 games a couple times throughout. And I think it's 30. it was 37 and a half um, when I looked last night. It is at uh, 37 and a half now. So minus 105 at 37 and a half is something I, I do think is value. Just because, again, if that goes four sets with these guys' abilities to hold serve, uh, win points off serve, or the plus ones, of the first ball after serve, I'm not sure that... Uh, even in three sets, this could come close to covering. But I, I do think this goes at least four. And if it does go four, it's going to be really hard to keep this under 37 and a half. I like that overall a lot. I think I'll be joining you there. Um, we also wanted to talk about Paya versus Galan. I thought this one was interesting. Paya is not in any sort of great form, but we're back to that conversation. He's very comfortable here. This is good conditions for him. We're best of five, and he's playing a young player in Gallon who is minus 210 here, minus 215, depending on where you look in a Grand Slam tournament. What do you think here, John? Can Paya find some form, or are you back in uh, Gallon, who I know you like to back? Yeah, I think, I mean, look at look at Paya's play this year. 
it's just there's nothing to indicate he had COVID. He's had uh, retirements with injuries. He has he's had a foot condition now that we've known about for over a year that can really make things uncomfortable. He's had, I think, two retirements now within the match, one where he was up a set, uh, but down a break. And then I think uh, Sinner smacked him 6-2. Then it was 4-4 and he retired. I think Fanini smacked him 2-2. Two two. He's barely winning two to three games a set at this point. Sell games here. I'm on Galan at plus, nice plus money at minus five. I think this is done fairly quickly. My only concern is that this match ends with retirement and you get voided, which really would suck. I think I'm multi-units on this. It's a two-unit play as well. Um, but I do believe that uh, that Galan is, is the value here. And I hate doing this, but last night, it's down to $1.46. It was $1.49 last night. And I considered going two units to win just under a unit on the money line uh, with a, a, a book that plays pays after a set on retirement. If, if Guido Pea comes out, and all of a sudden, he's figured everything out. The injuries are gone. The COVID recovery has finally happened. And his foot doesn't bother him, which is a lot. You know, that's plenty of ifs. And he comes out and wins, fine. Or he covers, fine. So be it. I'll lose my two units. But all the information we have right now says you back Daniel Galahi Galan. I do think Galan also qualified here. Um, I was going to ask him, you that. He did. And did you get an upgrade for that? You I got do. a player on bad form. And then you got a guy come up three wins on the particular surface on on site. Yeah, and since we last spoke, I also added Varvara Gracheva against Zhang Shuai for that same reason. Minus three games is plus 110 over there, and I don't want to get too far into the women's here, but it's it's the same kind of uh, concept, right? She's won three matches. Zhang Shuai sucks on clay. Pei doesn't suck on clay, but he sucked this year on clay, right, because of numerous factors. So, yeah, I'm going to sell games with these players that have played three matches at the venue and have won all three and I've looked relatively comfortable. He had a tough time with Kimmer Kopians uh, in the foot. Kimmer Kopians is a grindy, tough out. Uh, so I'll give him that. But yeah, I, I do think that there's value here with Guido for, uh, sorry, uh, baiting Guido, uh, Guido here for sure. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Um, now, this next match I had circled. You know what? I'm sorry. I skipped over another one. We're going to talk about Dimitrov here against Jaron. Dimitrov minus 400 here, Jaron plus 300. John, you had this one marked off. Are we, uh, this is another dog barking to you. Yeah, it's another one where, again, I took the games and not the um, money line. I've done that a couple times now. One, I just think it's really tough for Jerome to win three sets here. He's not really comfortable on clay, but he doesn't mind slower hardcourt surfaces. And I think it's really a matchup thing for me where I do think that, one, Dimitrov can throw away sets, right? He can throw away a 4-6, um, you know, not be able to break, not be able to return, and then have a, a wreck of a service game. He's very prone to do that. Secondly, Jerome is a very smart player, and his game is predicated on point construction. When you get an erratic guy, a mentally uh, a guy who can fall apart mentally uh, for a set or a set and a half like Dimitrov against a fundamentally sound point construction intelligent grinder like Jerome, I think plus six is a lot. That is a lot of games uh, to be laying if you're going to back Dimitrov. Again, if you've got Dimitrov in a money line parlay, like I'm not going to disagree with that. I do think Dimitrov wins. He's just too talented. It's not a, a great surface for Jerome, but I do think that he will have dips within the match, and that allows. That should allow Jerome to get home. I think it should be about a plus four and a half, plus five situation here in terms of the when you take into consideration the matchup um, uh, qualities of both players. I would say yeah. if you put I'll, – I'll disagree with you putting him in a parlay. You're telling me you can't find a better minus 400 on this board no, than no, a I'm, guy that's three and six? I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I'm, I I wouldn't you know sit here and argue with you all day about don't put him in a parlay. I would, I would I say that, that I you, didn't, you but, didn't spend enough time looking looking at this board. If that's the minus 400, you fell on yeah. 
I mean, right? I, I'm, I mean, like, yeah, I'm not going to take the plus six and then take the reverse money line. Like that's just right, right. I'm just saying, I, play, I, but... I don't think he's even a parlay piece. This is this is dog or pass all day, and I think that the Dimitrov fades a great angle. It's just we talk about this before. Do we need to wait one more round? Right, but uh, I, I don't see how you put a guy who's three and six, basically going off a name, and he that name was built. 2015, yeah, 2016, exactly. 2017. This isn't a, a guy that, that was crushing in 2019 or 2020 that, that we need to have respect for. So I don't think you should put him in a money line parlay at all. I think it's a dog or pass all day. Yeah. Next matchup. This one's pretty close. Mute is plus 110 against your minus 135. But what interested me here the most, the total is at 37. I'm seeing 37 and a half at plus money. Really like the over there. I mean, a John or spread. Anyone you have any reason this isn't 38 and a half, almost 39? I, I, I'd say even 40. This is, this, right. this this is one that's a huge total. There's no guarantees, right? There's no guarantees. But if there was one match that I would bet to go over three and a half sets, possibly the, the full way, this would be it. Uh, both these guys are grinders. There's not much between them. I don't really look too much at totals. I haven't had success in the past, so I mainly look at sides. And then if I find a you know two big servers, I think goes four sets. I might look at it like with Hatchinov Fesley. But come to think of it, yeah, I do think that you could justify thirty nine and a half here easily uh, because I think this goes at least four sets, and you could find some long sets between two grindy players for sure. What if I told you I just bet M- Mute money line here? What would you think of that play? Don't mind that at all. Yeah, I mean, again, if it's going to be a really, really close play, I'd rather go with the dog. I think it's probably lined about right. Jerry, a slight favorite. Mute, yeah. a slight dog, makes sense. I, I do think if you're going to bet a side, I would take the dog, but I do think there's probably more value in, in taking advantage of a couple games uh, on the total where they've they've missed it by yeah, a couple games there. All right. Another close match, um, you know, where, again, I was staring at the total. Uh, Leavich is playing Basilishvili. Uh, Basher's minus 130 or so. Leavich right around plus 110. And, again, the total's at 37 and a half. It just uh, – some of these totals look a game or two light for me. I don't like this one necessarily as much as the last one, but wanted to bring it up to either you guys have a feel for how this one might go. Uh, I mean, I did not. <laughs> does Basil play any short matches, really? Like, it's not too often against a competent clay quarter. Um that's right. Yeah, Money lines seem anyway. right. My only issue with an over is this could go four sets and stay under just because if Basil's going to be erratic, he could, you could see like a 6 2 2 6 start. And now, even though you're guaranteed a fourth set, you've only got 16 games and you still kind of need a 7 5, right? You're still sweating it. That's my only concern with the over. I do think it goes over in sets for sure. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, how's Basil feeling on the day in terms of does he want to play close sets or is he going to tank a set and try and get the next one back? Yeah, I agree. I think maybe sets might be a little bit better. I'm going to dig into that one a little more. Now, Spread, you marked off Keffer here. It's a big favorite, minus 350, almost minus 360 against Borge. Uh, Borge plus 280. Um, what did you want to talk about there? I basically just wanted to ask you and John, what do you expect from Kepfer here, um, who's kind of I was kind of impressed with this clay season coming in as a guy that was not on my radar at all. So obviously I do expect him to advance in the first round, um, but maybe just quick thoughts on that match and then what you expect from him from the tournament overall. Yeah, I, again, I agree. I'm optimistic given his form, but I don't know if he's going to make a long run here. I don't know if he's necessarily at the point yet where he's going to be winning multiple, again, best of five matches. Okay. What do you think, John? Uh, I think, I know Snyder really likes him at minus six. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's for me. It, yeah, it could be. It should be probably minus seven. Um, yeah, this match is good for him. Is, yeah, this like it, it, this is a great draft for him. Like, and he and he plays both wings. 
you know, he angles his backhand well. I think he actually angles his forehand really well uh, on top of that. And he, he plays side to side, the side to side game extremely well. He's got that lefty awkwardness. He can spin as well on the forehand when he, when he needs to. So he does have a very intriguing game. I think it was last clay season where he really broke out and took, you know, uh, took people by storm and, and really turned some heads. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Boog is nothing to write home about. This guy's in and we talk, I, I, you know, he's only in because I believe he's a wild card. But he's a wild card because he's French. The French give all their wild cards to their own players. The problem is in the men's draw, <laughs> their top 10 players are all in the top 100. Or their top yeah. 8 players are all top 100 players. So they get in direct entry. So now, now you're digging into the guys in the 100 to 250 range. And there's, what, 6 to 8 wild cards? And then you get quality. You're, you're talking about guys that are outside the top 200 in the main draw on wild cards because the French only give wild cards to the French. I looked through all the wild cards. I believe there was one non-French wild card, and it was for an American junior girl. I'm talking like... Junior, junior singles, uh, men and women, doubles, men and women, singles, men and women, one non-French wildcard. That's why Borg's here. And yeah, frankly, I, I, he shouldn't be. When we went through the outrights, you mentioned John that you thought Medvedev might lose his first match. He's minus two hundred against Bublik. Bublik plus one sixty. Have you backed Bublik? No, I missed the price, and like it's not like Alexander Bublik is exactly comfortable in in these conditions either. He's talked about, you know, they caught him on court ranting, like, you know. If it weren't for this surface or something like that, like he's he 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 gets visibly frustrated <laughs> with it too. So I will actually hope Medvedev comes through, and I do think Medvedev can win a match, and then see if I can get a way to to oppose him, whether it be through spreads or set spreads or um, uh, money line in, in future rounds. Chilich Rinderneck. This is another one where we kind of an older player who's just way out of form versus a younger player who, you know, I don't know how Rinderneck's been doing during the clay season, but I know he had some nice runs um, on the hard court season. Chilich minus one sixty seven, Rinderneck plus one thirty six. Do you like the dog here, John? Yeah, I got him one fifty three, and I love that price. I think this is a fifty fifty match, or we'll maybe like fifty. Yeah, maybe like fifty two forty eight, but it certainly is not a sixty forty. Uh, proposition here rinderneck's got a game that is adaptable to clay but he's got the huge serve forehand combo that serves him well on indoor hard courts as well um, he's he's really he's actually impressed with this clay season for a guy who was primarily is primarily a challenger to her guy and i think that marin chilich is long past uh his best stuff he's off hard courts and i don't think he translates as, as well as rinderneck you could see i think an over here could be a look too because these guys will hold their fair shares of game games with their serve forehand combos um, but I do think ultimately it comes down to a close one. And I think Rinderneck is actually, um, you know, a guy who should win this at least 50% of the time. And as a result, you know, plus 153 was showing huge value for me. John, like how excited that. are you about the potential Silic Federer second round match? Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think one of them gets there. It's very possible. Neither get there. Federer didn't Would draw Dennis wild? Eastman, but I mean, yeah. if Federer didn't draw Dennis Eastman, I think they'd both be out in the first round. Yeah. The next match, now, John, you have this barked off. Tiafo is minus 500 against Stevie Johnson, plus 375. You're not back at Stevie Johnson. He's grabbing you? the game. No. Yeah, I'm taking the games. Um, uh, I released that. I did, a, I did a video about this, too. It's on my timeline now. I'll go over it again. Um, <laughs> well, because Tiafo can can play longer points. Stevie Johnson can't. Tiafo's comfortable on clay. Stevie Johnson isn't. Tiafo is... You know, won a match this year. Stevie Johnson hasn't. Um, this should be a minus seven and a half. I think you could sell to minus seven even uh, and still find value. This is, I don't know, like minus six and a half implies it's, you know, uh, the books think it's six, four, six, four, six, four, six, four, six, four, six, three. Or maybe Stevie's, I, I don't even think they have, like their algorithm shouldn't even have Johnson winning a set in any 
capacity as, as part of this uh, handicap. So I, I honestly think you're going to see at least a 6-2, and you're going to get a, like a 6-3, 6-4, 6-2 kind of match. I think there's a ton of room here uh, to bet Francis Tiafo. I just don't know what – what does Stevie Johnson do better? What does Stevie Johnson even do well enough to keep him close here? I was just worried. I, you're not a big Tiafo guy, so I was worried no, you were going to try to talk us into Stevie Johnson. So that makes oh. you feel much better. Let's God, move no. forward. We've got Corda minus 175 against Pedro Martinez. Martinez plus 145. Corda off the title? He did win today, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What? That's right. I saw some tweets. Now him and his dad are the first father-son combo to win a title. Now, That's why did cool. I just remember that before I said that? Anyway, Martinez has been very competitive this year. Uh, what do you guys think? I think Corda deserves to be the favorite here. I'll have plenty of time to recover off the title. But Martinez, again, he's been very competitive this year. Do, do you guys think the underdog has any shot here? I, I don't know if I'm doing a first-round fatigue fade here. I, I, I think I would stay away from it. I like Corda. Yeah, what do you think, John? I, I think Corda is just in too good a form. I think, you know, I haven't seen enough from Pedro. I'd love to back the dog here, but I'm not a huge fatigue fade guy, with, especially a younger player who I, he doesn't play tomorrow for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do think that, uh, that he's, he's going to win this match. I, and I, and even when you look at the, just a numbers basis, um, I do think that the number is right too. I don't even think you're finding value on Martinez. Even, even if you have a hunch that he loses, sometimes it's like, yeah, I think he loses, but there's, it's still too big of a number. I don't think that's the case here. So I'm going to go ahead and pass. Mogger minus 150, Millman right around plus 125. What'd you have to say here, Spread? So I was going to take Mogger on the money line, even though it's minus 150 and we usually target dogs, but I just want to get your thoughts on it before I hit submit. What did you think? Is that, is that a smart play? Oh yeah. 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 This is my biggest bet. This is my biggest oh. bet of the first round for the men. Uh, Mogger minus three is my biggest bet of the first round for the men. John Millman um, probably had one of his better clay seasons in the last recent year. That doesn't say, you know, anything at all. Uh, what is he? How many matches has he won? I think it's like, let me, let me quickly pull up Explorer here as I go. Seven matches. He's beaten Dushan Lajevic, who hasn't had the best year. Hubert Hurkacz, and he barely beat Hurkacz. And Hurkacz is not that comfortable on clay. Uh, Guido Peya, he was actually down a set there. And then got the break and pay. I retired. That was one of the aforementioned retirements. Alexi Papirin, uh, grinding that out against him was pretty impressive. Papirin has, has looked better on clay this year, but Danilo Petrovic sucks. Uh, Ugo and Bear has had not a great year on clay. And Fetty Coria has been all sorts of, well, out of sorts uh, this season. He hasn't looked that great. I think he's got a good shot against Feli. I forgot to mark that one down. I do like him in that matchup squarely based on the surface speed and the fact that Feli can't do anything but serve and volley now anyways. But uh, Million is his wins aren't that great. And his losses, you know, okay, Rude was standard. You don't expect him to win that. He lost to Taro Daniel. He got killed by Gadeen. He got routined by Jere. Uh, he lost to Dan Evans, who once again, outside of Monte Carlo, hasn't really shown anything. And then he got dummied by Berrettini. I mean, anyone decent on clay has really dummied him this year. And Mogger is a clay specialist. And the best part is his service game is huge. Like his first game is big, or sorry, his first serve is big. His second serve is also very, very heavy. Like it is not easy. He's not gonna, he's not gonna live, you know, leave you sitters for second serves. I do think uh, Mogger should be about minus five to minus six games here. I think this is a relatively fairly straightforward win. Can can Millman grind out one set? Sure. But the thing I love about minus three games in a in a three of five format is that I mean. You, you, even if you lose a set 6-4, you're minus five. You win each of the subsequent sets by a break, and you've covered. I mean, there's so much wiggle room here for Mogger to cover this this spread. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead with Jean-Luc Mogger. This is my biggest bet of the first round. The spread, you marked the battle of the Frenchman here. Man, Arena, a big underdog, plus 255 to Bednay. Bednay right around minus 325. Are you thinking about taking the dog, or are you looking to do something with the favorite spread? 
I wanted to lay it with Bedene, who I was actually pronouncing incorrectly until Jorge uh, corrected me pre-show. It's not Bedene, it's Bedene, and I think Bedene sounds a lot cooler. But I wanted to lay the games with him, and but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts before I made the bet. Uh, sell as many games as you can. Yeah, is my advice if he here. does, if he wins by a lot, it's by a lot. Okay. Well, and, and here's the thing. One, Manorino hasn't won on clay in a couple of years. I think he's lost his last 10 matches on clay. Mm-hmm. And if you look at this, and, and let's pull up his Tennis Explorer page here. Let me pull it up in front of me. He tends to hit the tank. He gets behind. Okay? Like, let's start last year, and I'll quickly go through some of his uh, tanks. We had... Against Lajevic in Hamburg, down 6-4, lost the second set 6-1. Um, down 6-4, 6-3 at the French Open. He lost. He was baggled the third set by uh, Ramos Vignolas. In baggled. Rome, he lost. He baggled. He lost um, <laughs> the first set in a tiebreak to Raonic in Rome, lost the second set 6-2. He is one that loves to hit the tank. He hates the surface so much that if he loses the first set, he kind of throws his arms up, says, screw this, I'm done. Sell as many games as you can here. Bedney is competent on clay. He came up on clay. He's actually added his to his serve, so his indoor game is better now. But again, this uh, this this year, Del Bonus, uh, 7-5-6-1. Alcaraz, 6-4-6 love. Um, and then Renasco and Belgrade, 7-6-6 love. He hits the tank when he gets behind. So not only should Bedney cover uh, the, the spread as it is, but he should be able to, to win this in straight sets and cover relatively easily on games when you can sell as well. Take the alt spreads here and try and collect some plus money. Krzyzinovic minus 245 against Martyr plus 200. We know Krzyzinovic is really talented, but it's usually indoors in a little quicker conditions. What do you guys think? Is there any chance of the underdog German um, pulling the upset, John? Uh, yeah, I do think there's a chance. I'm not on it, but man, Philip has just looked so out of sorts. So I do, and Maxi Martyr, again, I, he came through qualities. And he looked very good in his final two qualifying matches. He played a young up-and-coming Frenchman in the first round, dropped the first set, then kind of stormed back. And then I think he, I don't think he lost more than two or three games in a set in his final four sets of action in qualifiers, like uh, against Milojevic and Felipe Melageni, who neither neither of whom are slouches. They're both pretty decent and pretty good challenger tour clay players. So he came through that nicely. I do believe um, there might be some value in that number. I'm not on it. I'm not particularly keen to oppose Krajinovic because he's the type of guy, if he's on his game, even on clay, he looks really strong. Yeah. A lot of respect to Mazzetti here. Minus 140 favorite over David Goffin. Goffin plus 115 or so. Number makes sense to me. I mean, are you guys backing Goffin as an underdog or does the market did the market hit this one on the head? Yeah. Yeah, I think that Mazzetti is, should be the favorite. My issue with Mazzetti is some of his losses this year have not been to the best of players. I will give him the Nishioka loss last week. The week before Roland Garros, he doesn't lose 6-3, 6-2 if he's trying his best. And if he did, that's really concerning. But even still, some of the other losses were not that great. Now, should he be the favorite? Yes, because he's an up-and-comer. He's very talented on clay. And David Goffin is just all he's, – he's so over the hill, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I think this price is about <laughs> right. Um, I, I still think you might find some value on, on Musetti, But at, I have so many bets being a high-volume guy in the first round. I'm not going to push it for the smallest amount of value here. So I left this one off. Next one I just wanted to tap on in case Zampa was in the chat. I don't see him there. But Chris, O'Con- Chris O'Connell, he's playing <laughs> in the French Open. He's plus 235 against Tommy Paul. Paul's the deserving favorite. Do you guys give the Australian any chance? I haven't seen him lately, but is that, how's he look coming back from injury? If he hasn't really turned a corner, I don't think he's built up enough uh, 
I don't think he's built up enough for me to trust him here against Tommy Paul, who's looked pretty. I think he looked pretty good this week. He lost to Sebi Just in case Champions. Champ is listening, you're all idiots. Connell's going to win the Australian <laughs> Open. <laughs> uh, Ramos minus one eighty against Malfi's plus one fifty or so. Malfi's the underdog here. It's got me very excited. I know that he hasn't played much tennis. He's very sporadic, but I think he might show up and give us kind of his best here at the French Open. What do you guys think of uh, Malfi's as the underdog? Um, what do the kids say these days? Miss me with betting on Gael Monfils? Is that is that the, the, the young kids say? I don't know. Do they, just, young kids yeah. know who Gael Monfils is? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the miss they, me part. That's what they say. Miss me with that. Uh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. Last one we have up here. Uh, your boy John Milos Raonic coming here. He's minus one forty in the French Open. They don't think of him as a clay player, but he's got a strong serve. He hits the ball very hard, which is an advantage on these slow surfaces. He's only minus 140 against Montero, who's been playing, playing pretty solidly, you know, plus 115 or so for him. What do you think of the Canadians' chances, John? I think he should be a – I think it's to pick him. I do. Because, uh, like, is he better than Montero? Yes. Is he more mentally sound than Montero? Yes. Uh, is he competent enough on clay to um, – make him what would be a favorite in most years yes but he hasn't played the french since what 2018 i believe might, might have been 27 i think it's 2018 he hasn't played on clay at all this year those are warning flags or those are red flags to me so yeah i'm gonna go ahead and take the plus money just on a standard size bet i don't trust tiago enough to go big but i do think there's a ton of value um just because i think it's a pick them uh for the reasons i mentioned and uh and i'm gonna go ahead and and i don't mind losing it either i mean if, if milos is gonna win and, and make a run go for it but uh yeah, Nothing I think like Ontario has, has a good chance. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's got value. An emotional edge with value is the best kind of edge. What a great way to finish up here on the ATP side. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thank you for listening. Please give us a thumbs up, a like, a rating review, whatever the heck you can do or wherever you are. Uh, we'll try to be back uh, maybe during the middle of the tournament for kind of a check-in. There might even be some sort of live watch thing. Who knows what we're up to over the next fortnight. But enjoy the tennis. You've got plenty of time if you want to go back and check on the WTA preview from the other day. We appreciate it. We'll see you soon. All right, guys. Thank you for hanging out. Good luck.